0: This program is brought to you by the Genesis Communications Network, a world leader in talk radio since 1998. Visit GCNlive.com today.
1: From an undisclosed broadcasting location.
2: This is a test. For the next 60 seconds, this station will conduct a test of the emergency broadcast system.
1: Come on! America comes the relief from the pain, unapologetically, this is Lock and Load, with Bill Frady.
3: Hour number two. This is Lock and Reload. Ah. Oh, you, you can't imagine the stuff I've gone through today. <laughs> Just can't imagine. Right now in Indiana, gun gun control activists in Indiana are melting down after several high schoolers affiliated with Students Demand Action confronted Representative Jim Lucas over the right to carry only, only to learn that he had a gun on him at the time. This is where um, children, and when I say children, I mean, you know, Young adults, because they're in junior in high school, I guess. Um, Learn to fear an object, which there's nothing to fear from an object. So, um, McKenna or McKenna Fivecoats, a 17-year-old student at Burr's Laboratory School, recorded the exchange between Lucas, the students, and apparent chaperone Allison Case. According to the state house file, and during their discussion, Lucas flashed his gun to the teenagers. Which, when I when, he, when when they say flashed, he pulled back his jacket and showed his outside the waistband carried pistol, which I presume they know he carries. Uh, you know, in the state house. So uh, five coats later, told the state house file, my heart sank to my stomach. I genuinely felt unsafe at that moment, and I really just wanted the conversation to kind of end after that. A student next told Lucas that people carrying firearms do not make them feel feel safe, but rather threatened, prompting the following exchange. Lucas responded, Okay, those are feelings. I'm talking facts. A student replied, This is what this is about. This is about feelings. Now Lucas then replied, People who want to kill you don't care about your feelings. Now, first things first, with a child with a kid that age, right? High school kid, um, I I very seriously doubt they have enough real world knowledge to be able to get out there and state this in a scholarly way. What they're very likely doing is they're doing their impression of a minor bird and just repeating some sounds they heard. I could be wrong about that, but I don't think I am. Being afraid of somebody, they walked up to this guy because they thought this is someone we can speak to. So then they find out that he has a gun. Now they're afraid does that make any sense? What about a cop? Why is it that with a cop, that's okay. And with a, uh, with, with some high school kid, that's not okay. Why, why is that the way it is? And I'm with Lucas about the feelings part of it. Uh, it's not about feelings it's about your rights. It's about my right. It's about the people, you know, that are around me that I would defend. And I don't care if anybody feels icky about the Second Amendment. Now, after the video of the exchange were was posted online, a bunch of gun control advocates and Democrat lawmakers were quick to try and name and shame Lucas for his actions, but the state representative did not back down. He's not backing down now. In a post on Facebook, he said he fears for and pity those that are being indoctrinated to fear that which is their best means of self-defense. And he added that people are also being indoctrinated to depend on government for their safety, even when, sh- when shown that government has truly ruled that government doesn't have the duty to protect us. And once again, Mr. Lucas is on solid ground. When he says the courts have ruled police are not responsible for their individual safety, but gun control advocates are now claiming that the issue is far more complicated. Joni Madeira, Indiana University Mara School of Law professor, said the ruling by the Supreme Court is much more complex than he suggests. She explained that a police officer's promise to help can cause an individual to rely on that promise, which forms a special relationship and creates a legal duty to respond. Except that's never been found in court. That's never been found to be true in court. She said it is dangerous to undermine public confidence in the police and to increase public confidence in vigilante justice. If we all believe that the police won't protect us and we all carry firearms, we're just contributing to the problem. Because if everyone who reports to a crime scene trying to help is carrying a, is carrying a firearm, then no one knows who the bad guy is, which is ridiculous. And I always love it when they get out there and say, "If you have a gun, we don't know who the bad guy is." Uh, first of all, they've never shot a gun. A gun that has been fired smells like a gun that's been fired, and it shows too. It has powder powder burns all over it, wherever it flashes. A revolver has it in front of the cylinder. It has it on the you know the length of the barrel coming off of the cylinder and everything. You can see it. You can smell it. You smell that that's happened. Uh, likewise, you're going to have residue on your hand. So it's actually very easy to figure out who the bad guy is. Um, and it's not really that complicated. In Castle Rock v. Gonzalez, the Supreme Court ruled that the holder of a restraining order cannot bring a due process claim against the local government for their failure to actively enforce the order and protect the holder from violence. An earlier case in the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals was even more explicit in stating that the police have a duty to protect the public in general, but no duty to provide police services to any individual, even when they've called 911 to report intruders inside their home. Now, Madeira might object to those decisions, but that doesn't mean that Lucas is wrong when he pointed out law enforcement has no duty to protect any individual citizen. And given that fact, it's up to us to protect ourselves, not through vigilante justice, though. And what's wrong with the word vigilante? Vigilante is. uh, That's that's just a form of the word vigilant. And, you know, it it probably has a a bad rap right now, just simply due to the fact that we have some. uh, What was it? You know, we had the Death Wish movies. And it. Explains why the dude goes in the route he goes. I mean, he loses his, his family. He loses his wife. His daughter becomes a vegetable, you know. And um, his whole way of life is torn asunder by a bunch of guys who followed them home and robbed them for no particular reason other than it was opportunistic. Looked like it would work. And plus, there's a bunch of people in Indiana that carry guns on a regular basis. Lucas told the State House file, he said, I just wanted to show that everyday people carry. And they're out there every day among people that have no idea who are carrying, who are doing no harm, who are not threatening anybody. They simply want to have the ability to defend themselves and their loved ones from people who aren't stopped by laws, who aren't stopped by morality. And that's one of the questions I asked them, to please give me a law that I could submit and hopefully pass that will stop people that aren't being stopped by the hundreds of laws already on the books. One student, in Alanda tristle. 17, said her heart dropped to my stomach. It was through all of my previous arguments were just invalid because I knew that in any given circumstance, he could end the entire conversation by choosing to any, end any of our lives. Because you see, the gun speaks to them with the voices. She said, I just knew that conversation wasn't really a conversation because there's nothing I could say. I just felt unprotected and unsafe. And yet they all walked out of the, this was in an elevator. They all walked out completely unharmed, except for those self-emotional and self-inflicted emotional scars they now bear. I don't think it would have mattered if he'd shown them, not shown them a gun, just simply said he was carrying. It wasn't the sight of the gun that upset them. It was the fact that he responded in the affirmative if they asked if he had a gun on him. And if they freaked out over that, that wasn't Lucas's fault. I blame the adults who indoctrinated them to be terrified of anybody that's out there just taking care of themselves. It's always been this way. It has always been this, always going to be this way. You know, always going to be this way. There's always going to be people that are afraid of guns. And you shouldn't be afraid of a gun because operating a gun is the same as operating a car. It's the same as operate. As a matter of fact, it's easier than operating a car because you only have one thing to really be mindful of and that's where your trigger finger is then there's the other things that go along with it like what you're aiming at you know those kind of things they all come into play we'll be right back this is lock and load
2: TeamG'day.com
3: And welcome back. This is Lock and Load. Saw this the other day because there's a, you know, there's this twisted subset of gun control fans who believe that if you would only be exposed to the side of murder victims after they've been shot and killed, that you would support every one of the anti second amendment infringements that they want to shove down your throat. Enter John Mellencamp. He's always been confusing to me because first he was Johnny Cougar. Then he was John Cougar Mellencamp. Now he's just playing John Mellencamp. I've never been a fan of his music per se because I just find him a little ordinary. But hey, you know what? Some people love him. So, um, you know, that. that. But I would expect him with the experiences he probably has had in his life to have a firm understanding of what is real and what isn't. And it's very disappointing to find out that he's among those who are convinced that if you, you know, show pictures of a, a dead child blown, you know, shot to death with a gun and what happens to the body when you absorb bullets, that that's a price worth paying. As long as at least the gun bans, it will be ignored by the very people who robbed those children of their future. But he got on Twitter <laughs> Excuse me for stating the obvious truth. I do so out of the love for this country and the pain of learning once again that children have been killed by gun violence. If we as a country want to find the collective will within ourselves to change our gun laws, let's stop playing. Show the carnage on the news. Show the American people the dead children and others who've been struck down. Show us what guns and bullets could do to the human body. The news media need to be brave enough to let Americans see what slaughtered children look like. Otherwise, I fear that too many perceive gun violence as an abstract story that's repeated nearly every day to numbing effect. When I was a teenager, there was a war in Vietnam. In the beginning, no one paid much attention to this problem in a foreign land until the media shouldered the responsibility and showed America how our sons were being slaughtered. Once those images were shown on TV, there was overwhelming demand for that war to be ended immediately. I say this as a father and a human being with deep empathy for the parents whose children have uh, had their lives ended so suddenly, so senselessly, show America the carnage. I'm not being callous, and I know it will be painful to see, but sad to say, I think the only way to shock America, this is the only way to shock America out of its stupor. This is a pathetic argument from these guys. It's all based on this very, very thin premise that the only reason people oppose gun control law is that they just don't care about the victims of violent crime, that they need to have some shock to their senses and bring them in line with the already enlightened likes of Mellencamp, who could never decide what to call himself. Now, here's the thing. Who wants to see a dead child in any state for any reason? Who wants to see that? Who wants to see a dead person? Nobody should want to see a dead person because, I mean, that's what makes us human. The the mere idea that we see these things. Um, well, society doesn't grin on that particular thought process, right? And uh, he knows how painful it would be. But if you trust him, it's worth other people's pain so long as it convinces those he views as the ignorant masses to start demanding. And he never did say, or he never did get around to saying what kind of gun laws he wants to see on the books at all. The problem with gunshot wounds is uh, they cause something called hydrostatic shock, which is uh, it causes pressure in the fluids in your body, which causes a deformation. And the wound channel, like with a a handgun bullet, you have to develop a wound channel that gets in there, and it's if if things going right, you've got to like it looks like a spinning, whirling uh, vortex going into your flesh, and that is horrific. But what happens is that's inside. You don't get to see that inside, right? You don't get to see that inside. All you see is the wound and maybe the deformation caused by the hydrostatic shock. Sometimes that can also cause, uh, things to come apart, but here's the, here's the, here's the thing. Um, I, I take, um, I take no pleasure in thinking about a dead child, no matter how they're killed. There is no, uh, moral high ground. Being killed with a nine millimeter pistol or an ice pick or being beaten to death or you know being run over with a car, there is no moral high ground to being murdered. Now, I can only presume that he wants all guns taken because he doesn't really get into detail about what he wants to see happen once we get shocked out of our supposed stupor. Now, there are plenty of people out there that have seen the results of a child murdered in cold blood, but who don't believe that gun control laws are the answer, including frontline law enforcement, trauma surgeons, coroners, and moms and dads who will never get over the pain of losing their child. They don't see gun violence in the abstract, but they don't believe that gun violence is the answer. What he's saying, though, and this is the... uh, Hmm, how should we put it? This is the outrageous part. What is saying is that they somehow just need another shock to their senses that they just love guns more than their own flesh and blood. And then if, if we did this, then everybody would see the light. And for all I know, that's exactly what Miller camp thinks. But, you know, there is no closure to the loss. And it's not about how you lose a child. It's not about how you lose a loved one in a violent encounter. It's just the fact that you lose them. You might despair of what they might have gone through. You might sit there and wonder about what they might have been thinking or feeling. But in the end, they're gone. And that's where the, that's, there, there is no closure for that when they're gone. Waging a war on gun ownership is not the way to go after this. But these these kind of people don't buy into the idea that the only way to spare their families from a similar heartache is to wage war on gun ownership itself. Now, Mellencamp can believe whatever he wants to believe. He can believe that all he can believe that I'm a monster. That's fine. But I'd be willing to bet you that young young Mister MillenCamp there, however old he's older than me, but you know, I'd be willing to bet that he has an armed detail with him whenever he goes they always provide armed security wherever he goes I'm sure of that if they don't I'd be curious as to why nobody turns down security in most cases so I'd be curious why but I that, on that one I don't know I'll be honest with you I just simply don't know but the idea that you could uh show gun wounds or dead kids people and then they'd be like oh yeah you're right we got to ban these guns my first thought would be who did that we'll be right back this is lock and load
2: USA News Update. Nikki Haley has pledged to remain in the 2024 presidential race, affirming her commitment during a campaign event in her home state.
4: I'm willing to take the cuts, the bruises, and the name-calling because the only way you get to the blessing is by
5: going through the pain.
2: Despite trailing former President Trump by a significant margin in polls leading up to Saturday's South Carolina primary, she has dismissed calls for her to withdraw from the race. President Biden's brother James will testify before lawmakers as part of the Republican-led impeachment inquiry into the president on Wednesday. James Biden is set to undergo a deposition with members of the House Oversight Committee. The College Football Playoff Board of Managers has approved a model for the new 12-team playoff, ensuring that the five highest ranked conference champions will be part of the expansion. Playoffs this fall. Initially, only Power Five conference champions
0: were to receive automatic bids. John Schaefer, USA News. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. There's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there.
3: back this is lock and load uh you know if they have their way coming to a theater near you you're going to have bail reform everywhere they've only gotten a few places now but you're going to have it everywhere you're going to have open borders forever you're going to have sanctuary cities everywhere you're going to have restorative justice whatever that is and you're going to have woke leftist prosecutors and mayors and governors All of these, by the way, are seeds of destruction against this way of life that we enjoy here in America. One of the illegal aliens who battered the NYPD patrolman a few weeks ago was out on cashless bail for another felony. And uh, he basically almost immediately reoffended. And a Deadly Alliance has been uh, recently developed between MS-13 and the bloodthirsty Venezuelan Train de Aragua gang. And now we hear that New York's governor and New York City's mayor are sheepishly expressing surprise and concern. And the rest of us are not surprised. We're not surprised by this. And why does it surprise us that the way the woke leftists have the gall to express shock that the toxic tree that they planted and nurtured is now bearing really bad fruit and now the bad fruit harvest has begun and this is what they have deliberately put in motion and their manufactured crime spree shows no sign of slowing down and the prudent would take reasonable precautions including permanent departure from new york california illinois if you can because it has become fun for asylum seekers to turn American cities into war zones. Back to the Venezuelan gang, Train de Aragua. They're they're feared for how they torture their victims. They're setting up business in New York City, according to police sources. Gang members recruit migrants from shelters as they come off buses from Texas. They put them to work in retail theft rings or on mopeds, grabbing phones and handbags and roughing up pedestrians. And Paul de Giacomo COMO, excuse me, president of the New York uh, City Detectives Endowment Association, said this is organized crime. It's just like the mafia. NYPD Commissioner Eddie Caban warns of a wave of migrant crime. Democrat polls deny it. Kathy Hochul says migrants are looking for a better life. Now, that may be true for some, but not all. New York City Comptroller Brad Lander accuses Caban of fear and using a Republican talking point. But who do you want to believe on this one? Do you want to believe the politicians or the police or the police? Now, migrants in moped gangs and retail theft rings, some carrying guns are terrorizing New York City, Yonkers and New Jersey two-man teams snatch pedestrians' phones and deliver them to train-day Aragua stash houses, where professional hackers make fraudulent banking transactions and drain cash from all accounts. Then they're wiped clean and shipped to South America for resale. A 62-year-old woman was brutally dragged down a Brooklyn street by one of these moped thieves who made off with a purse. So if you're in New York City... And you see a moped coming your way, stack back from the curb and hub the building. Which is advice normally needed in a third world city, not New York City. A shopper at J.D. Sports near Times Square was shot in the leg by baby-faced 15-year-old migrant Jesus Alejandro Rivas Figueroa. When a security guard tried to stop him from robbing the store, he whipped out a forty-five caliber handgun and shot into the crowd. And he has since been apprehended by police, of course. So the next job is to track down the ringleaders who armed him and sent him into the store. The teen had been living at the Stratford Hotel, a city shelter, and his mother in attending school. He's also a suspect in a January 25th incident in Midtown and a January 27th robbery in the Bronx. And after his 1st running with cops, the shelter system should have been notified and Figueroa should have been evicted. Then comes Chicago. Chicago is also being terrorized. There, the professional criminals enlist migrants from the shelters to raid luxury stores at the suburban Oak Brook Center shopping mall, five miles west of the city. They wouldn't have a clue where Oak Brook, an upscale suburb, is or how to get there without the criminal masterminds. South American gangs are turning suburban malls into danger zones, according to retired Riverside, Illinois, police chief Tom Weitzel. You're at one of the suburban malls pushing your kids in a stroller and you can get caught in the violence, he said in an interview with Fox News. He also added a lot more crossing the border are criminals or have criminal intent that is being, than is being publicly said. Paul Morrow, retired inspector of the NYPD, agrees. And the claim that Venezuela is emptying its prisons is accurate, he suggested in a separate interview with Fox News. And this is all compliments of the resident, right? This is, you know. But it's also the soft on crime Democrats in New York and Illinois. They get they get a piece of this pie. Their policies almost guarantee that migrant criminals can rob and assault without ever going to jail. Kathy Hochul pays them. <laughs> she pays them. Um. Uh, she she hands out cash welfare benefits, something the federal government bars, so state and local taxpayers have to foot the entire bill. And on top of all of that, New York City is mandated, court mandated, to guarantee shelter to all, something Eric Adams should seek to overturn. NYPD Chief of Detective Joseph Kinney observed that the network of thieves lives mostly in the shelter system. And that includes the migrants who beat up two cops at Times Square on January 27th. They had a string of previous arrests, but were still living in shelters. Adams is imposing an 11 11 p.m. curfew at some shelters. That's window dressing. Getting out there and providing room and board to the same people who rob and threaten us makes no sense. Once migrants get in trouble with the law, the shelter system should be notified and they should be evicted. The only shelter they should get should be at Rikers Island. Statue of Liberty says, give me your tired, your poor. It doesn't say your lawbreakers, your brutes, your gang leaders. This will be and, you know, this is going to be I I don't know how this is going to work if they decide to get out of the blue cities. I don't know how uh prevalent train de Aragua is in the rest of the United States. They, they seem to be setting up shop in the bigger cities uh, and why wouldn't they? I, it looks like they're working in the sanctuary cities, which that should be of great interest to everybody at the very least. But I, but I digress. Um, I don't understand why these people are doing this self-inflicted stuff to themselves. This is one of these things where, you know, they, the I, they they just need to be voted out. Which seems to be easier said than done. But it should be done. It should absolutely be done. But I guess we'll find out about that. We will find out about that. So, as I think about this, it just—I uh, I think about—and she didn't die at the hands of an immigrant. I don't think I may be wrong about that, but I think about China Yuen who died in uh, New York City. She was just walking home, and one of the uh, one of the drug druggy demons that was out there followed her home and then forced his way in. And forced her into a bathtub where he stabbed her to death forty one times. And she's indicative of just the regular people that just want to work in New York City. For some people that's like the Nirvana to go work in. We'll be right back. This is Lock and Load.
1: is the genesis communications network g c n
6: Hey, Jimmy, turn off the video games. Let's go play some ball.
3: I'm in the middle of my game. Can't we go later?
6: Come on, it'll be fun. It'll be there when you get back.
3: Okay. But there's no way you're going to win.
6: Why don't you grab some water and granola bars, and then we'll see about that.
3: You can make a difference. Eat smart, play hard. And when you do, your kids will too. A challenge
0: from USDA.
3: Welcome back. This is Lock and Load. Martin, uh, here's a quote from you: Modern administrators fully expect a chocolate cake to emerge when they dump together vinegar and baking soda, and are, they are astonished when it doesn't happen. I uh, I hear a lot about mental health crises. I, I you know, and I, I hear a bunch of young people like in their twenties and everything. And I never worried about that. Did you worry about that when you were a 20 something or a young teen or something like that? Did you, did you sit back and go, my mental health issues, my, I'm worried about my mental health. Did you, was that actually a conscious thing you did? In a popular park in Austin, Texas this past month, a violent, or excuse me, a local college student was violently attacked from behind by a single felon armed with a machete. The victim suffered severe wounds including severed arteries, tendons, and nerves in his right arm and almost complete amputation of his left hand and numerous scalp lacerations because this guy was chopping at him. The victim did not know his attacker, did not see his attacker coming, and did not know he was being attacked until he was hit the first time. The victim is currently hospitalized. The attacker chased one other person. Who was not injured, and then a short time later, when the police showed up, guns up, uh, he meekly submitted to arrest. In the interim, he took the attack weapon, right, the assault weapon, if you will, and threw that into a nearby river, conveniently disposing of that particular piece of evidence. President of the local police association, as much as admitted that there's little APD can do to prevent these kinds of precipitous batteries, And he also added that the park where this occurred is considered to be a safe zone, which obviously it isn't. Local leftist media predictably described this guy as being in the middle of a mental health crisis and naively counsels de-escalation in such a circumstance. Now, okay, now we come to the questions, right? How do you de-escalate? a lethal attack if the person is genuinely mentally ill because they're divorced from reality. How, how, how does that work? So here's rule number one. When you are imminently confronted with lethal lawless violence, you need to instantly respond with superior defensive force, and that is the only strategy likely to save your life. We're not talking about non-lethals, right? You need to be aware of your surroundings without a doubt. But in this sort of a circumstance, when you're being attacked this way, there is no such thing as de-escalation. There's no reasoning with evil. And when defensive deadly force is a solution, it's usually the only solution. And curiously, when he faced armed police, the lordliness displayed by violent felons normally evaporates instantly. Now, another point to consider is that the woke media predictably describes all such unprovoked deadly attacks as being due to some species of mental health crisis. And they refuse even to consider that the vast majority of violent felons are perfectly sane, but just evil and sincerely enjoy hurting innocent people. It's fun. They enjoy it. This is not this is not something where they're not in control. In fact, they are absolutely in control. Getting out there, number three, de- getting out there and declaring that any place is a violence free safe zone is not na- a naive exercise in, uh, you know, self de- deception. Maybe we should, could, could have some disease free zones or maybe even some unhappiness free zones. It would make the same amount of sense. It would have the same effect too. Then. They have the like in schools, they have the zero tolerance for violence, which is actually administered as a zero tolerance for self-defense. So school bullies quickly learn they can terrorize innocent but smaller schoolmates with impunity. Nothing is ever done to stop them. And anyone standing up to a bully is severely punished. So. So. In American society, even by juveniles, bad behavior goes mostly unchecked and uncorrected. Bullies learn from an early age that are in our woke community, criminal violence works and that they can get away with it, and they continue to. C.S. Lewis said with ghastly casualness, we remove the organ and then demand the function. We make men without integrity and expect, them, and expect of them virtue and enterprise. We laugh at honor and are then shocked to find traitors in our midst. We castrate and bid the geldings be fruitful. Now, speaking of mental health, let's go talk about, uh, you know, what happened at the mega church run by Joel Olstein. They had a woman wearing a long trench, trench coat, which concealed an M4, and her seven-year-old son was walking in with her. The trench coat and the demeanor attracted the attention of armed church security personnel, and they, you know, they were so they're watching to see if anything happens, and they didn't have to wait very long at all. She precipitously discharged her weapon at least once and was immediately engaged via gunfire by pistol armed security personnel. We don't know where her weapon was pointed, we don't even know her motive. But in any event, the suspect was dead right there. One innocent church parishioner suffered a superficial gunshot injury. He was treated and released. Suspect's young son suffered a gunshot injury to his head and is still in critical condition at a local hospital. Church was crowded, which is typical for Sundays, and many more could have been injured were it not for the very speedy and decisive action on the part of the armed security officers who were present and who moved quickly enough to stop the threat. This suspect was a Palestinian sympathizer with the history of mental illness. The You know, the full Monty right there. Boom. Everything. Everything there. Her ex-husband's family was associated with the church, and I'm sure there's more to that story. But here's one thing to learn. If you don't know it already. Um. Churches like bars are magnets for miserable, unstable, desperate, drunken, dangerous people who show up for all kinds of reasons. Number two, mega churches are the most controversial, the most flamboyant, and the most dangerous. Mega churches need an elaborate, well trained, well armed professional security team. Number three, of course, you know, that's up to you what kind of church you attend. Now, one thing to consider is that staying home on Sunday or Saturday is still a lot safer than you're going to any sort of church or religious service. Many of a many of you go anyway, but when you do, you have to exercise the same level of alertness, preparedness than you would if you were going to a rock concert or a tavern. Same, same way. No matter the size, churches need to implement reasonable security measures. Now, life is not just about staying safe. Risk attaches to every human activity, always has. Yet, we should not be foolishly naive about real and increasing personal risks that attach to all political as well as religious activities in 2024. Christians and Jews have few friends in government and in the world at large. Thomas Aquinas said when the highest aim of a captain is to keep his ship and crew safe, he would never leave port. But, of course, that's not what ships are for. The whole idea about doing one of these things is to uh, is to, it, you know, is to get with the thing and live your life. And against terroristic threats of this nature. If you don't go participate in these things, of course, then you're going to. uh, You might pay a price. And that's a problem. But, you know, work the mindset. Think about where you're going. Think about what's there. Think about what could happen to you. Attach all of this to your fact pattern that you operate under. And by all means, carry that weapon. Be prepared. Look around. Make sure you're seeing everything you got to see. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Dean Weingarten. This is Lock and Load.